Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have Emer Morrissey. Emer is an actor who you've got to best know from the demo on Ivor movie out right now. She was also in Fair City for years, um, and Emer's just kind of a veteran of uh, the Irish uh, theatre, film and TV scene at this stage. Um, Emer studied at the Gay School of Acting. We talk about all that, and she kind of talks about how Day One Ivor was the best fun to make on set, which is really kind of special. We also talk about how like it's not gone down unbelievably well with like the critics, but how audiences are really, really loving it and how to be honest, that's what it's about. That's why we make this stuff. So it's a really, really great chat. We also talk about our favourite priest, all, all the good stuff in life. And it's kind of kind of amazing. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. And be sure to let me know at T More ninety three and at personal bingo. Um also, in really exciting news, lyrics. My play is opening so soon. We're previewing on the 30th of March, which, uh, as you hear this, is literally like five days away. So I would love to see you guys there and hear what you guys think. Tickets are on sale right now from theatreupstairs.ie. And if you check out my Twitter uh, or uh, the Squad Productions, um, Twitter, Facebook, all the details are plastered everywhere uh, on my Instagram and everything. But I'd love to see you there. And I implore you guys to book tickets if you're free. We run from the 30th of March until the 14th of April. It's starring the wonderful Daniel Galligan and myself and directed by the incomparable Romana Testaseca. It's lyrics, it's a play with music, uh, it's funny, it's dark, it's heartfelt and I think you guys would really like it. If you like this podcast, I really hope you'll like it. Um, so do come along and check us out. Until then guys, please enjoy the wonderful Emer Morrissey playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. Morris, you ready to play Personality Bingo? I sure am. All right, sweet. So a quick explainer of how it all works. So we've got 60 minutes on the clock here, 60 bingo balls in here, and 60 corresponding questions. Um, I'm also going to do you out... Oh, my God, I'm so unprepared. I didn't even do you out, like, the number sheet. That's so bad. Now you get to see all my secrets, because normally we say, like, they're oh, random. I thought it was a fix. I was sitting there here going, maybe they don't even do out a number sheet. I'm joking. No. <laughs> Like we always, we always like it's always it's meant to be random numbers, but um, I mean, I feel I just feel like my brain is as random as anything. Um, yeah, I'm okay with that. And so, if all of your numbers do come out, that means that the tables are turned, and you get to ask me any question in the whole wide world, and I will give you a completely honest answer. Um, would you do me a favour, read out the five numbers on that sheet of paper, please? Fifty-four, thirty-eight, seven, nineteen, and twenty-seven. Cool. Would you do me a favour and pick a sixth of your own choosing? Number. Three. Nice. Any reason for the three? It's my lucky number. Wow. Was I was born on the third of February, and I don't. And I usually only like even numbers, so three mm. is my. I'm a bit weird like that, yeah, but okay. three is my lucky number. Do you like your birthday? Yeah, I don't like. I don't. I don't mind. Like in other words, some. The only time I ever freaked out was when I turned twenty because mm. I was leaving my teens, and twenty five for some bizarre reason. But after that, you know. Yeah. Birthdays are even though it's just after Christmas. Birthdays are kind of like. Well, my mum and dad always made them really big and special, so yeah, I don't. I, some people dread their birthday; it doesn't bother me. What was it about? I'm about. To, well, I'm about to turn twenty five in a couple of months. What was it about your twenty fifth that? I think I just felt like, you know, like the quarter of a century, or the actually no, was it twenty five or twenty six? No, I think it was twenty six because I was entering into a new age bracket. So you've got another year before you can freak. Good, but you know, like when you're ticking boxes, twenty five I think was like the last year. Actually, I had a big party for 25, so that was okay. Mm. It was 26 that I had the freak, and it was because I was going into 
a new age bracket. And then my friends were taken to saying, oh, you're in your late 20s now. I'm like, like 26 is still your mid-20s, right? It is. It has to be. Yeah, yeah, of course. 27, 28, 29 are late 20s. Yes. Yeah. Even 28, 29. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> right, speaking of numbers, will we, uh, will we give this a spin and see yeah, what happens? go for it. Okay, first one out the gate, we have number 43. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number 43. Question is, if there was one thing you could change about Ireland, what would it be? No. I think everybody's going to say the weather, right? <laughs> but that, And that's it. It's like this I, This country would be amazing if you could just put a roof over us, you know? Um, maybe a little bit of the begrudgery. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of that kind of, and maybe it's not there anymore, but it's still built into your own head that you're like, like at the moment, um, if I'm doing self-promotion, the first thing I think of before I hit send on social media is, oh, everyone's going to be like, oh, look at, look at her, like who does she think she is? I don't think that when I see other people, but, you know, I've been in conversations or I've been around conversations where we have this fear of celebrating ourselves. And I think that comes from some form of Irish, I don't know, that kind of, you know, don't, don't, you know, sit there and be humble. And yeah, you can be humble, but also we don't, we don't celebrate ourselves enough, I think, as Irish people, apart from on Paddy's Day when we go green and have pints. But I think, yeah, if I could change one thing, it would be that we're not as afraid or that we don't begrudge people doing well. And I know, like, that sounds really horrible because there are, like we do celebrate achievements, but I suppose maybe the the normal achievements or the lower level achievements as opposed to an Olympic medal or the football or the rugby, you know. I think maybe the fear of putting yourself out there. That's probably it. Yeah, and do you, like because you've done, I what was really... What's really interesting is you've done like you studied like you studied social media and how to do all that on some level. Like how how important and beneficial have you found adding that side onto like what you do artistically, which is obviously like acting and creating. Um. Well, I, I did. I I, guess I did an online course. So I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it, but mm-hmm. I do kind of. I know. Do you know it's it's horrible. I could sit and have a conversation to some with someone about it and explain certain how certain things work and understand it but I'm still too afraid to use it to the extent that I know how to use it because of that oh my god I don't want to do that if I press this button people are going to think oh so it has it's made me more annoyed at myself for not putting myself out there more does that make sense yeah it does what would be the thing that like would have to happen for you to do it to the extent that you know you should on some level like I know I'm I, I'm trying a little bit more and I am like I don't know it's I think I just need to not care and I like I would there's a part of me that would pride myself on not really worrying about about what people think but like I'm only human and I do so there's in the last kind of couple of weeks with the film I've been okay I'm allowing myself to post this or before I post I'm like so what you know this is when when is this gonna when is this gonna come around again obviously hopefully it will but you know I don't know when it's gonna come around again so I don't mind pushing it a little bit further but I'm sure there's millions of things that I could do. Like one of my best mates is like a social media guru and that's what he does, you know, and he also kind of puts himself out there so much. He doesn't mind promoting himself. Now it's his job. Mm. Whereas with me, I kind of feel like acting is my job, not being on social media is my job. Yeah. So like, I think if it was, if I became like a blogger or a social influencer, well then I wouldn't have a problem putting myself out there. But because I'm an actor, it almost feels like you're putting yourself out there for something else. Yeah. Does that 
it does that make any sense no it does but like it, it's very interesting because i like even doing like this podcast you know i, I feel like that sometimes because you're like um you know because I, I have the silliest thoughts about it because sometimes you th- it's like i i always want I, I always wonder like because ultimately if you're doing the social media end of things as you yeah. said it's like for another reason so like the other reason like on some level whether it's the main one or, or like down the list is like you know to get more acting work because we love doing that and yeah. you know it pays the bills and whatever but like I wonder what like how much that matters to casting directors because you do hear this now about people like and I don't know I don't know how true it is but you hear like about oh well if it's between you and someone else and they have like 20,000 Instagram followers like they're going to get the thing like I don't really yeah I've started to hear that and I don't like know for acting work yeah like, see, and I don't know is that true but you know the only thing that it, it like made me think about it, that kind of thing is because if somebody is out there more like not that because you've got a big following on social media that you're going to necessarily get a gig but I think if you're out there on social media more because almost like everybody's on some form of social media now all different ages and you know and so if you're out there you're kind of more known or people know like I'm talking if you've got like 10, 20,000 and above Mm. kind of followers that it's not that you have the followers that you're getting the gig I think it's because you are public perception is that you are famous in inverted commas or that you're out there more so it's almost like oh we'll go with them because they're a name but you not, not that you've nothing to substantiate that name you do but it is that you're more known it's not that it's not I'm kind of talking myself into knots here mm. it's it's not necessarily just that they look at the at the number I think they look at the reach and they see okay well they're known by all of these people and this demographic so maybe that's kind of leading into it like I know for I remember someone saying to me like for funding and things like that if you're starting something off like if you're writing something if you've got a big following it's going to translate into an audience so obviously they have to look at them but I, I oh gosh I hope casting directors don't sit there looking at numbers otherwise I'm going to go out now and I'm going to literally yeah. post about 25 pictures and you know tell everyone to like them but no. I know and I don't think it's casting I think like what it, I think um, and it's pro- I'm sure it's one of them things that like is way more a thing in like LA than probably less so in London probably less again here but like I, th- I think it's less like even the casting directors but if like a production company is like you know yeah. who, who, who do we who do you like because you see that all the time even like <laughs> I mean it may like you see Oprah in a film and you're like okay like great but Oprah probably is not the best actor for that part <laughs> probably I don't know maybe she was but like probably not but she's okay. Oprah's but anyway like um, it, it, it's very interesting yeah but I suppose like she didn't she co- like I know she's a talk show host yeah. she's amazing and everybody you know Oprah moments and mm. stuff but she is an actor and I like is she yeah no that, she really is like th- that's um, what she did before um, because like the colour purple was her thing wasn't it like that oh. was well I know I, I know, think she pretty much ended up doing it on Broadway at some point in time as well but really yeah no okay, she's being harsh and Oprah no then. yeah no she's I think she's got it okay yeah I don't know why I'm having a go at Oprah either do I like. <laughs> maybe because you want her to hear your podcast and then bring you on and give you a good talking to yeah. and then everyone will know you because you've been on Oprah we can do like a Lance Armstrong expose <laughs> except for me yeah it's very weird but sometimes like I have like a weird pride about not posting stuff on like social media so like you know the way you see people um, and it's a very legitimate thing to do but you see people who like write and they're like you know Instagram their coffee with their laptop open and them writing and like I don't think I've ever done that, and it, like, but like, I I always think about, hmm, 
uh, whenever I see it, I'm always like, it, it's. In, I have some weird, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a fucked up thing, but I, like, I have some pride. Like, well, I can write without having to share it to the world, and I still know it counts. Ah, okay. Do you know what I mean? See, I see a lot of it for me for social media. Um, is it's more documenting. Maybe that's my problem. It's more documenting something for me. Yeah. Yes, I like my Instagram. I try and make it look nice, but um. Like I see those because I I've been that guilty soldier of no, I've taken a picture of doing something yeah. which is totally fine yeah. right like I'm not I'm not gonna take you to court over it or anything yeah 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 giving out about me but I've like I rarely write I I'm not a writer yeah but I think it's almost like you know the way sometimes if you put something out there you're mm. holding yourself accountable because I, particularly with writing I see is that people as number one documented and two gone I'm writing so that someone will go oh what are you writing and but for me. I might write something and then months, like it'll sit there for months and I'm like, oh, did I yeah. not see you were writing? I'm like, oh, I have to go back to it. So yeah. sometimes maybe it's a way of, yeah, yeah, that's kind of, maybe that's what they're doing. I yeah. don't know. No, I, like, as in, I think I'm wrong. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I, okay. I, but, but, it, but like, I think I'm wrong. But yeah, sometimes like, it's, it's kind of like that thing of like being gloriously wrong. I don't know. Who knows? Who gloriously fucking wrong. knows? Right. <laughs> we, give, we give this a spin. <laughs> We've got a glorious spin. Okay, here we go. Number 14. Do you have it? No. Okay, no worries. Number 14. The question is, uh, tell us about a memorable character from your hometown. Where are you from? I am from Clonsilla. Okay. Well, Hartstown. We're kind of from the same neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Dunboyne. It's kind of close. It is very close. Yeah. Um... A memorable character. You see, like I know an awful lot of them. If I say it, what if people know who I'm talking about? I always think of like uh, there, there's a, there's an ama- there's an amazing man from Dunboyne, and I can't think of his name. Oh my god! And he's uh, like a he's a council worker, and he like he has this amazing limp, and he the hardest working man. Like he he'd be up at like no matter what time you get up at, he'll be up sweeping oh, the streets okay. and yeah, yeah. Cl- cleaning the pl- like amazing amazing work ethic. And then like be straight to the pub, but he'd always he's like as quick, you know. He'd always have a little quip for you. Uh, I, I suppose there like there's I can think of loads of people, but I'd be terrified that if I shared the story, they'd be like, <laughs> I know who you're talking about, and they they'd be funny, sort like memorable in a funny way. So I'm terrified oh, to really? share any of them. But there is someone in like so I went to um so I lived in Hartstown yeah. and I went to school in Walkinstown because my mum my both my parents worked and my mum worked around the corner from it. My nana lived up the road from the primary school in Walkinstown. So I went to the Assumption for primary school. And um like when apparently when I was about seven or eight I turned around to my dad and or like yeah, I asked him why women can't be priests and he was like like I've no answer you know yeah. my parents would not be religious my mum's mum would be um, my parents not so much like they you know they have their own kind of well I wouldn't say spirituality but they have their own vibe do you know that kind of way yeah. and um, so I was like why can't they be priests and, and dad was like mm, I don't know and I didn't want to go to mass or, so I remember him telling me I didn't want to go to mass because if I can't be a priest I was real. I had my best mate Andy growing up he's all we used to always have these like girls can't do this yeah they can you know like we'd have this and I remember saying to him one day boys can't have babies and he was like <gasps> and he couldn't well I mean without them we, you know we do need them but he couldn't get his head around that so we used to have all these fights it was real like maybe I was like a feminist when I was a kid and but the our local priest Father Hickey right um, at home in Hartstown he had like female altar servers and female readers and I was like, I remember going to mass, like, like you know when you're at your communion you kind of had to go to mass and my aunt used to, ba- I had two aunts that used to babysit me and one of them was really, she used to bring me to mass if she babysat on a Saturday evening 
she didn't do it all the time because as in she didn't babysit all the time and I remember seeing these female altar servers and readers and being really okay so it turned out it was this particular priest Father Hickey he was the one who was kind of totally the driving force like this would have been back in the 80s early 90s at a time when that wasn't happening right and then I remember being at mass one time and him saying something like um, and we're going to ask God wherever he or she may be and I was like Ooh, you know, like, and he was like, I'm not religious, I'm, I'm not now. And, but he brought a community together in a way that was kind of transcended any sort of religion. And he was net, like, he was always like, he'd go to the pub with the lads and he used to take photographs and he used to include, I know this sounds really weird now, but he used to include children in mass, like, he'd mm. shake their hands. And he, he was a really, I remember going to his, um, he like retired. And I remember going to his like farewell mass or whatever. Like he still lives in the community, but he's not. I'm sure he's still a priest, but he doesn't celebrate mass unless it's a special occasion. And he is somebody that, although like I, I don't go to mass and I don't. I'm I'm not a practicing Catholic in any way, shape, or form. Mm. He was from our area and was a pretty kind of not. I don't want to say a visionary, but he he was a good one at the time, and he's someone that I suppose hopefully in grassroots was changing hearts and minds on the way up so I suppose he's kind of somebody cool yeah. from the area now he wasn't he didn't like he obviously lived in the parish but he didn't he, he would think he was from the country but I don't know where in the country yeah yeah that's kind of amazing like I mean um, it's like did you you know the way when you were asking your dad about wanting to be a priest is it something on some level you think like I'm not like saying like that seriously but it's something that you wanted to do do you think um because I think I did. Did you? Yeah. But I, like, I, I, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but like, I, I think what I wanted was probably to be an actor, but like, priests got to speak in front of crowds yeah. and got loads of attention. Did and you I'm, ever like pretend to do mass in your sitting room? I don't, I'm not, I fucking, it wouldn't surprise me. I did. Yeah. But not my, my nana's, my na. oh my God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> like I used to get a scarf and put, you know the way they used to have the scarf around there kind of, like I do yeah. it on my own, there wouldn't be anybody else there. Yeah. I think my, my nana used to, um, I saw my nana used to mind me and um, my she also used to mind my cousin, but like he's a good few years younger than me. But she had these kind of ornaments in the, she had this big red book that I think was a medical book. She had all these ornaments and these two, um, there was like a tray where there was two glasses. So it looked like, you know, the wine and the, you know, the thing they bring up to the altar. And I remember like laying it out in my Nana's front room and pretending I was a priest. I don't think I wanted to be a priest. I don't think I had any real notion of what a priest was. I think I just wanted to perform. Yeah. And like you have a captive audience every Sunday. Like, so maybe it's the, performance maybe if someone says you know when did you realize you want to perform that's actually it for me that yeah. was when i was pretending to be celebrating mass in my nana's front room it's so <laughs> but like when you think about it it's such like it, it's so because i think it's a really gorgeous answer like that you gave because it's such it's actually and it's so hard because whenever you talk i feel like we both kind of done it already like whenever you talk about priesthood and stuff you kind of always have to say but it was obviously terrible about all the, like all the stuff oh, like the yeah. child abuse. I mean, obviously. So like, let's not say that because that's a given. We we know that. Yeah. But like, what an honourable like um, uh, it's not a profession like a vocation. It is like in the sense of like 
because um, it's funny. My grandparents are from uh, Roseland. Um, ah, okay. So there's now there's a priest, uh, and I'd fucking love to have him on the podcast. I don't know would it be a runner, but his name is uh, Father Danjo. And oh, good friends, good friends. Yes. So yeah. he's he's like we had a, a nun in the in, in our secondary school as a chaplain, but he was like the local school's it, chaplain. Yeah. And I was the odd time he'd come in because he goes around in the he would be so up for this. Yeah. If you asked him to come in, he totally. I know him well. Like we got on really well. Oh, de- oh. Definitely. And the sandals, he doesn't he, like. Yeah. He puts on socks if it's cold. That's it. Right, and, like, and like, and he wears the big brown robe, and he like, he celebrated our graduation mass from like. Because I went to secondary school in Hartstown, and we were because we I had sung and I was in senior choir, so we sang for the year ahead of us. Yeah. So obviously we'd seen him celebrate the mass before, so. Anytime we ever had a mass with him, we'd count the amount of times that he said good friends. Oh. Because that, like, it's all oh, good friends, good friends, good friends. And yeah. everything, he is just, do you know he like has, there like there's young people grants and stuff you can get. I think it's up to like 2,000. If you've got something in the community that you want to do, and I mean, this could have been years ago and it doesn't happen anymore, that engages young people in arts or whatever, there's a grant that you can apply to through him and he's organised that. And like, he's done amazing stuff. He's an amazing man. And he, he, um, he like really looks after my granny because my granddad died a while ago, and oh, and so okay. she's in the house by herself a lot. Well, she has carers and stuff, but uh, and she 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 can't really go out to mass, and he's just very. He's just very good to her, and uh, you know, recently we were at the anniversary mass, and it was just in the house, and like, yeah. you know, he did the mass. Honestly, I'm not joking. In about six minutes, like, just like he talks so fast, but it's such a beautiful. Like, I was like, he does it the right way, as you said. Yeah. It like transcends. It's not about. It's not about like Catholicism or the religion, and I'm sure to him on some level it is. But what yeah. it is, what like you get from him is just like a sense of like Jesus. This is just a beautiful man, and you get a sense of community and like yeah. love off him, and you're like, fuck, that's it. Like, well, like Father Hickey used to do 20, 20 minute mass, twenty five minutes at most. Yes, and like, because I remember going to someone's, being staying in someone's house, and then bringing us to mass. And I'm like, I, I'm talking as if I went to mass loads as a kid. Mm. I didn't, right. but I remember going to either my cousin's mass and being there for an hour. I'm like, this is what mass is really like. Yeah. Father Hickey did it in 20 minutes, and he used to do this thing, general absolution. So instead of like going in and doing confession and telling your sins, he just you could go up and he like he do it on the top of the altar every, the first Saturday of every month and you could go up and you kind of put your hands on his and he was like I absolve you ever since you don't actually have to tell him your sins brilliant and remove all the shame from it like. and he and he exactly yeah. and he said because I remember I forgot how to do my confession one time I remember going to confession and I said my sins in my head and he was like oh you're a very good girl and I was like oh no I was meant to say them out loud but he didn't care yeah. but on the days that he did gen- like this absolution he used to say I know not everybody can say but I like I know people may have done things that they want forgiveness for so he used to get the whole congregation in the church to bow their heads and he'd absolve people I'm sure he wasn't allowed to do it yeah. like or the Pope might not have might not have been too happy about it but he used to do this it was all for creating positivity and be like for, of people who may leave and have maybe uh, weight lifted off their shoulders because this had happened and that's as, as you say like Danjo doing a quick because just because he knows everybody's there to share something together and you're going to share it and it's, it's a tiny amount of time that we're all together and it doesn't have to be any longer because it is what it is it's yeah. Bringing together community. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. They're, they're, yeah, I, 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 love, I love them stories. They're I so want to listen to you do personality bingo with Father Dan. With Father Danjo. Oh, oh we need it. to make that happen. I'll oh, get yeah, on to him. I'll e- we, we email sometimes. Like yeah. he's really, he's, he's, he's amazing. He, uh, uh, he, he's just the best. Right, will we? Um, let's give it a spin. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm I've caught it. Throwing bingo balls. I'm sorry. What is it? It's number twenty. <sighs> I, 
don't even have that. Oh, no worries. Sorry about throwing that. That was terrible. Um, what's your opinion on Dwayne The Rock Johnson? I So I obviously listen to your podcasts and yeah. I know you're a big fan. Of The Rock. Yeah. Yeah, well, I like... Well, you talk yeah. about him a lot, right? I think he's fascinating. <laughs> no, you're right. And do you know what's fascinating? Sorry, I'm answering the question now. But, like, I think he's fascinating because of what you are talking about earlier. Like, talk about someone who fucking just, like, goes for it you know what I mean <laughs> I find that like I'm jealous like that's what I'm like I'm I, I'm I'm jealous of the person who Instagrams all their shit and who Instagrams them writing and who fucking like Instagrams <laughs> them up at like 6am lifting trucks you know what I mean like mm. the rock does like sorry what are your thoughts like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember because I, I was literally in the cinema the other day yeah and I knew I was coming in here and he's in this new film I don't necessarily have a, like I don't really have an opinion on him to be fair. Yeah, me neither. And uh, as he came on, I was like, oh, I must remember the name of this so I can talk to Tom about it. Gosh. But I can't remember the name of the film. But it's like these animals become giant or something. There's some sort of change in their DNA, and yeah, he. Yes. Yeah. I like, saw the ad for it as well. Actually, doesn't look too bad. No, to it, I, I I thought it was like some weird mix of like Jumanji and Jurassic Park in yeah. the trailer yeah yeah and I remember like listening to one of your podcasts before and you were talking about him and you were saying like he's like the highest paid actor yeah or yeah so I went googling it to be like or like what? his movies make the most or something like that it's that's mad yeah. like as far as my opinion on that goes I'm like really yeah but I remember like being in the, my only real memory of him is like wasn't he the one like if you smell yeah. with the rock my like the I was going out with a guy at the time and him and his mates all used to watch wrestling and I was not I was not really a fan but obviously you know you're going to sit and watch it and and they used to say that all the time so anytime I think of <laughs> the rock I yeah. think of them doing that sound it's kind of like it's so like he's just so like he's and cause he's not a bad actor like he, he's not bad it's just it's just like, if he ran for president, right, for example, which, yeah. like, in the current climate, like, isn't actually as crazy as it sounds. Like, if you think about, like, Schwarzenegger being, like, governor of California and, like, yeah. Trump. Now, like, just say, right, ten years' time, four years' time, whatever it might be, The Rock decides to go for it. Like, he'd definitely win. Like, definitely. Do, do you know, does, have you ever read the book Blink? No. Okay, so I think it's, like, Matthew or Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know right. Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. Okay, so he wrote this book called Blink, and it's basically that to trust your gut that everybody has a gut instinct and then but it's divided into like seven chapters and one of them is this president in America in I can't remember the time but it was basically it's the shortest ever presidency now maybe I'm getting some of this wrong I'm really bad at remembering stuff like this mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Harding I could be wrong and this guy apparently was in like a shoe shine shop or something and was bragging saying that he could make anybody a president uh, or, or he could make whatever and they were like really and, he, and well, it wasn't anybody he's like he he knew the formula to get a president elected which mm. is so funny because listening to it now Trump is not it um, I don't think he's anybody's formula really to be honest yeah. but um, and he, he said I could make this guy a president he pointed across this guy because he was kind of tall and dark and handsome and whatever and um, so he had a bet with somebody to make the dude president no political experience this guy nothing and he became president. Really? Based on this guy's kind of, like obviously his study on how people perceive people and and it's all, it's like literally that book has each chapter tells, and I remember reading that going, oh my, that's scary that mm-hmm. someone could go, right, well I can manipulate I suppose and this was way before social media. Um, people into voting for him because of the way he looks and, and whatever. So, yeah, so like, 
sorry, that it's totally off topic, but you were talking about The Rock becoming president. And I was just like, yeah, no, but it's so funny. And like, I mean, that's what's so fascinating about it. With, I mean, <laughs> I, I was thinking about it the other day. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll share my. I'll share my. You see, I think this podcast <laughs> is my my version of Instagram because I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I won't Instagram like uh, the shit, but then I'll just talk about it on the podcast. But yeah. it's only because it's what I'm doing. I, I I'm not trying to. Uh, but I was on a run anyway this morning, and I tried this little, little section where I go run in Phoenix Park. Yeah. And I and I tried to like do a little like a little like gratitude section. I know it sounds very no, hippie, but like just just because like totally cool. Yeah, especially when you're just like fucking shit going on, and I was just like okay, well what 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 are we happy for? And I was just and I I was running by. Uh, Oris Neutron right yeah. and the other day I went to see a concert and um, the gloaming in the National Concert Hall and it was amazing and uh, Michael D Higgins was there yeah. and he was uh, you know sitting up the top and uh, you know everything kind of I think they played the national anthem and he, he, he we, we all stood up and you know and he's just such a humble man he, like, he didn't fucking say anything but like just the way he interacted with the, the room was kind of amazing and, um, and I, I was running by Oris and I was like oh I'm very grateful that we have someone like Michael D Higgins as our president and I was thinking about like why is that? Because like he's just so much more like presidential than like Donald Trump. Yeah. Now, obviously, like Michael D. Higgins, in terms of what he does day to day, like it's completely incomparable to Trump. Yeah. But like even if you look at like Obama, I, and I don't know, I'm in by no means a political expert, but like I'm sure Obama wasn't the perfect president in terms of like all the decisions he made, and I know yeah. he had stuff like that was blocked by Republicans and all this, but he was just so presidential, which like feels like the least thing that your president should you, be. Yeah, like someone to aspire to or to look up to. Which or- Probably what the shoe shine, the shoe dude yeah, was saying. Yeah, that's true. Or feel like you can trust them. Yeah. Have you ever met Michael D. Higgins? I've never met him. No. I have. Have you? I was at. I literally a friend of mine went to that. Um, he, you know the way sometimes like through, during the summer he does these like um, garden parties. Yeah, yeah. So I was invited to the artist's garden party. A friend of mine had there was a couple from the agency that I was with. There was a group of them going, and they had a spare ticket and they were like. Well, not, it's not like a spare ticket you have to you have to say I'm inviting this person and mm. you have to give your details and bring your passport and obviously all that kind of stuff so we went to that and um, it was just he, like I met him he, like I was chatting to him as he was playing with his dogs do you wow. know like, and his dogs are huge yeah he is he was just so lovely and he was just wandering around and chatting to people I'm like do you mind getting a photograph he's like not at all and like he is just so not and I've never met I met Mary Robinson when I was when I played Kamogi about a million years ago, I was probably only about 12 or 13 and I just shook her hand and I was real, because <gasps> like she was like one of the first presidents I ever remember people talking about in Ireland. Mm. And, and um, but he was just really nice and really kind of warm and anyone who kind of gives out about him, you're just like, you know, oh, he's too old to be this, he's too old. No, yeah. he is a diplomat and he is, he represents, I'm happy that he represents Ireland because yeah. He's warm and welcoming and, you know, look at all the stuff that he's done in his career up till now. Now, I know kind of being a president kind of silences you a little bit here. But, yeah, no, I totally, I, I totally appreciate your gratitude moment outside for yeah. him in the Phoenix Park today. Yeah, he was just, uh, he's just, yeah, he's just very, he's just very... As as you said, like it's like, and it's so funny you were talking about Mary Robinson because, uh, and then Mary McAleese, obviously. Like, isn't it really weird in a country where like there's, you know, and far be it from my place to talk about sexism, um, uh, but like there's obviously like you know varying degrees of like sexism in Ireland, but it's so funny even like back in like I don't know was Robinson in through the nineties and then yeah, McAleese, early nineties, like, yeah. There were two, you know, female presidents. Like, like for example, in my lifetime, like it's been probably just. Mary, the, the two Marys, and then Michael D. Yeah, uh, it's so interesting that like you know Ireland did have, 
like it's such a weird Ireland's such a weird country because it, it kind of surprises you like you know what you're talking about like the begrudgery and like it can be kind of backwards and like you know the Catholic Church and how all the negative sides of that as well as yeah, we talked yeah. about the positives but, and then like sometimes then like something will happen like referendum uh, you know in 2015 and you know fingers crossed like uh like from my perspective, anyway, like you know, the Eighth Amendment we repealed this 100%. this year. Uh, like it's so, it's so funny. It just surprised you. Like you're like, oh, there was two female presidents, kind of like long before there was all this. Not long before, but I mean, th- like they probably would have been very feminist women. Um, but it, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's just really interesting. I, that I, do you know? I never, I've never really thought about it in that sense. Yeah. Maybe I did. I'm maybe in school at the time I did, but. Um, yeah, but the problem is, like, our president doesn't have any power. No. And we've never had a female Taoiseach. Mm. And I mean, that's... Yeah, that's you know, not true. It, you know, like, I sub- no, do you know what it is? It's like, I'm begrudging what you've just said now, but I'm basically saying, no, like, we're okay to have a woman as a figurehead, yeah. like the Catholic Church. We're okay to have Mary out there, but we couldn't have her doing anything important. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe there's an element of that. It's like, oh, yeah, well, what's the presidency? Yes, we're all really proud of our president, but maybe there's an element of, oh, that's okay. But when it comes to, like, the power roles, maybe. That's so interesting. That, that, I think that's a better point than mine. Yeah, no, no, they're both valid. They're, they're both valid. No, then they're both in the same ballpark. But that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what did like, what? I'm, I'm always just interested to talk about like, uh, like what, it, what's your experience of sexism as an Irish woman who has lived here? I think as a kid, it used to really bug me, and I. I think I, like it was always the boys were allowed to not no not at home. I like my mom and dad. No matter what I wanted to do, I could do it. Mm. That was it. Did you brothers or sisters? No, I'm an only child. Okay, um, and that was that was just it. Yeah, you know there was never I never I never really encountered it in the family, um, and in work, I don't have any standout moments where it has kind of happened in a way that I've oh actually no. I do like I'm obviously I'm an actor, but the odd time I would stage manage or produce theatre. And I always find when I go into theatres, um, that when I go in as a, as a producer or as as a stage manager and I'm asking questions and blah blah blah, it's usually a male tech mm-hmm. um technical manager, and they kind of like you know talk in a certain way, and in my head I go, oh right. Okay, that's because now maybe there's an element because I'm not necessarily known as a stage manager, but in my head I go, okay. And um, there's a friend of mine who works in a the- in like I worked with in a theatre, and he's really well respected. He's a tech, like a, a designer and a technician. And once I mention his name, they go, oh, okay. And then I start getting taken seriously, mm. not because it's he's a he, but because it's like, oh, okay, well, there's some you're valid in some way, right. and then. I like I always prove myself towards the like you know and people come up at the end I was like great work on you and blah 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 but that's where I find if it was a guy that came in and did it or like the odd time I've gone in with me as a producer or a stage manager and a male comes in with me who has nothing to do with what I'm, I'm doing they'll look at the lads mm. and then they'll be like oh no 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 back to back to Emer she's the one who's you know so yeah. but beyond that yeah I'm sure there's loads of moments of it I just don't have a standout story. No, no, that's yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's. And I'm. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It does. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's in a way it, it exists everywhere and in everything and in a way that's not. It's not necessarily one story. No, it's, of course. It's a general 
you know, sense of, I don't want to say being, that's not the right word, mm. attitude and, you know, Do you think patriarchy it's and, you know, it's just, it's it's embedded in our culture and I think there are so many amazing women and men trying to smash that yeah. kind of at the moment and it's it's really great to see it's horrible to hear some of the stories um yeah but i think it's really good to see that something it it does feel like there is a shift and people are becoming more aware and with that shift like do you feel it on the ground like on a day-to-day level or like or in or is it just is it just the sense that like because you're aware that everyone else is like there's an awareness about it now like that's the bigger thing or can you actually see it in like day to day or in like well you know like it was funny I was at this thing and I don't want to say what it was because I don't want to highlight who was saying it or whatever but basically there was talk about the now the film board are offering funding like you know this person was like, oh, so if you're a woman writer and you've got a woman director and blah, 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 you're going to get more funding. And you're going, oh, OK. And then in the next breath was like, but if this was a room full of men, I couldn't be saying that. And I was like, oh, so you've just, you know, championed the fact that you're supporting women, but taken it back in that other comment by trying to make light of the fact that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, it just, so I feel like everyone's aware of it. But we're still at a stage where when we talk about it, then we have to make a joke out of it in yeah. order to br- pull it back because it's like, I'm being made to do this or we're being made to think this way or, you know, like... No, I, I think you're so right. Like, uh, one of the things that, like, I think I might have noticed over the last few months and uh, it's like, I'm not... <laughs> sometimes, and I, I do think that, that there is change. I really do. Uh, I, I think, and like, you know, obviously my perspective is, is so different as like a young man, you know what I sure. mean? But but like, I still have one and I still, but it's so interesting. Sometimes I wonder like, is it, hmm, how much of it has changed? And I, I, I really do think a lot of it is changed, but I also think that a lot of it is, okay, well then some people just aren't going to be honest anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and so like, I, like you know, so it's like how much of it has changed and how much of it is like someone, okay, well, I just won't tell the, what I actually feel now. <laughs> and maybe that's a good thing. You know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that's... Yeah, maybe you keep a, your opinions to yourself if that's what you think. Like, exactly. Maybe, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But it's really interesting. I'm, I'm just, I'm not always sure that it's... it's uh, sometimes I'm just like, mm, yeah, okay, well, we're just creating like a culture of... Uh, Sorry, not that we're creating a culture, but like I see a culture developing where, like, um, like what you said, and sometimes you know, you're, you're in a you're you're in a bunch of lads, and like, yeah, like people do start like making making jokes, and like you know, hashtag Me Too is now a joke. That's a punchline to a joke, as well as being a, a great movement. It's also a punchline to a joke, and yeah, and that's true. it's just it's just so it's just so funny like seeing how all this shit is working itself out. Yeah, you know? and and it's not it's not even that it's working itself out. Like people are making conscious decisions and like what's so good I think is all like the you know like trying to call stuff out like when you see it because like that, that's fucking hard like yeah no it is and like I would there's a huge part of me that always thinking like, oh, I would always stand up for injustice but there you know sometimes you're just afraid to call stuff out me too there's definitely been things I've seen I'm, no hashtag in front of that one no yeah yeah <laughs> no hashtag in front of that I know but uh, <laughs> like yeah it, and, and it's hard and, and the fact that it's hard it doesn't mean that it's good enough but at the end of the day like you know, uh, I mean, we should obviously, yeah. and it's just, and then and then you become human, and then you're like, oh yeah, but it like it's hard, and like, yeah, yeah, that was the best I could do in that moment. And you never know until you're in a particular situation how you're going to react, and that's the, that's the 
crux of it like really yeah. you know like I would hope that I would be able to stand up not just for me but I think it's easier to stand up for yourself mm. almost sometimes it's easier to stand up for yourself I don't know maybe I, I was well in for me now that's not a fair estimation well this this whole personality bingo has gone away that I did not expect it to go at all I was like oh my god I've been talking about religion and now we're talking about the, and I'm like oh god it's very political I'm like oh god that Emer one she's so political no not, not I don't even all. have a, a properly constructed opinion it's so I'm still trying to figure out an awful lot of this in my head me too and, I, and I'm terrified <laughs> to at times I'm really terrified to talk about it because I feel like I am not going to say the right thing yep. or or because it's a constant ongoing flux in my head of like I know certainly know how I feel about it yeah. you know but even trying to articulate it's really difficult but I think that's what's important about like uh, you know and I don't mean this podcast I mean podcasts in general because I think if you were to if you were to transcribe this podcast right and put out a load of tweets I'm sure we both would have said a couple of things that some people, well that that's a problematic sentence there but I think when you can hear someone's voice and you can hear them yeah, like true. the unassuredness and you can like as you said there's no badness in either of us what we're saying here we're trying to work shit out because yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. fucking complicated it and it, you know and we're just you're just being human and you're just doing your best in the moment but it's fucking it's hard to know how to talk about it you know yeah really uh, and I think that's like if and people and it's hard because people have been like really like hurt by some of the stuff we're talking about but you know sometimes I just feel like there's no like especially like online just there's no there's no sense of like empathy sometimes and you're like there, there can be just a like a, a willingness to jump well it's like when you're like when someone texts you something yeah you know there's no context like and like so sometimes there's an element of oh I didn't mean you know yes um but like I I guess I'm a little bit jealous of some of the most amazing people who are out there at the moment kind of so articulate and so like Tara Flynn yeah I like I just think she is incredible and I saw her play not a funny word about two weeks ago mm. and it it made me laugh and cry and like in in a heartbeat like mm. I, and as with the whole audience and when I see her in papers and when I see her on stages and talking or, or being interviewed I'm just like oh wow I wish I could be as eloquent as you are and as strong as she is um, her, and she's just one of so many people who are out there at the moment but I kind of then I kind of think to myself oh I, does, I, I, I haven't for like I can't do that I'm not as eloquent and I don't know how to say what's in my head so then I kind of just retreat which is I know it's silly but yeah. do you know yeah no I get it will you give it a spin ask me something funny well, <laughs> this is all very heavy for an early morning do you want to know what the crazy thing about that, that, that the last like 15 minutes of conversation started with the rock so uh, we have no one oh to blame gosh, but ourselves that is insane <laughs> uh, okay. no I'm blaming the ball yeah yeah look do it uh, number 18 do you have it no I don't Okay. 19 no, turn that into a close eight. no cigar um, what is the greatest lesson you've learnt about acting wow <laughs> I think it's more about the profession yeah is that you there are no certainties in it and everybody knows that it's to do something that you love as well as acting in order to keep your mind and your head engaged and healthy during the downtime mm. because there's so much downtime. Um, Gabriel Byrne came in to us when we were in college and he said, um, he was like, oh, you know, there's, he basically said that there's more time where you're doing nothing than 
or time that you're off not mm. doing nothing than you are in employment and he's like that's the making or breaking of you because they're the hardest times for you to stay positive and to stay like to believe in yourself and what you're doing and he said you know so he would say he he told us to write or to um, read papers because then you're you know what's going on in the world because that's what's forming the next generation's writing do mm-hmm. you know what I mean what's going on or what's happening and I think that was I think that's really important like in that it is hard I mean the amount of times where I've tr- I've thought to myself that's it, I'm I'm done now I'm 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 leaving um and never do yeah um but I think it's that you've got to stay positive and it's really hard it's really hard when everybody's getting work and people are getting roles that you really want and that you th- you think in your head or you, you know I could do that you know and um or you're not being seen for it or I think it's 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 hard to stay positive but you've got to, like for me I teach I absolutely adore teaching and it for me it gives me the opportunity to direct it gives me the opportunity like with the youth theatre I direct their show every couple of years with a friend of mine we co-direct together um, I get to create I get to devise and I get to work in an artistic way when I'm not being an actor or when I'm not acting and I think that has been amazing and I put that down to making sure that you're doing like you know stay in involved in like stay in the vein of what you're doing but be passionate about obviously acting but be passionate about something else and mm. I think because that will get you through the kind of harder times of not working and, and stuff. And why don't you quit? Usually every time I have a, an absolute defining, or like as in that's it and I, I go mad, it's one of two things. Like the very first time, the very first time I really was going to walk away from it all, I got a role that... I, I like in TV and it was and I was like oh okay I'm oh thank you universe and you how, know. how close like so when did you have the moment when did you get the role does that make sense like within the same week so I had auditioned for um ever since I was a kid I loved the Gaiety Panto this just oh, oh we used to always go me and my mum my dad and I really wanted the Panto and I got down to the last two and I was on hold for a Panto and I was like right this is you know I had given myself like five years and I came out of college and this probably wasn't even beyond that five years. And um, I was on hold and I was convinced I was going to get it and I didn't. And I kind of thought, do you know what? I've tried and I've done, I, you know, I'd been in, I'd been in the mix for a, a TV role. For, for It was Fair City. I was in the mix for mm. Fair City, for a role in Fair City and there was something else and it just seemed like at the time there was loads of things that were in my, almost at my reach and they just went. And they, it, I didn't have them and so, I remember getting in the car when I didn't get the, I was with my friend and I didn't get the panto which was you know and I remember being in the car my friend of mine was like go for a drive and come back to me in 20 minutes get it out of your system so I was in the car and I was thinking about it and I was like literally mulling it over mulling it over going right okay I think I had said to myself before that if I don't get this it's time to just get a real job which is dreadful I don't think that like that anymore because acting is a real job but at the time that would have been a mentality that I probably had like because everyone was like oh what's your you know and then I got the and then literally so for two days I was in my head planning on how to like resign from the agency I was in and figure out where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and so literally two days later I got a phone call from Borty to say that I'd gotten the role of Emily Mahan in Fair City and it was like oh okay the universe doesn't want me to end now or doesn't want me to give this up now 
Um, and that was the very first time. There's been a couple of times, one about two years ago, where I was really going to throw in the towel. And the thing that kept me in was because I teach and I felt that I teach I teach performing arts, I teach acting. And I thought if I wasn't acting, I felt like, it, it, like as in if I wasn't a jobbing actor, mm. I wasn't going to give as much to my students. That's and interesting. Therefore, um, and therefore I couldn't give it up. Yeah. Uh, because like it's great to be able to come in with like stories and tales and it's good that when you're working with them and they're kind of, they're able to reference work with you I just think that's important and then you every job you go on you learn so I'm bringing that back into the room of young people and so it was teaching and, and in my head I was like oh would I be as good because like acting and teaching are like my two like massive passions mm. and if I took one away would the other one still be as valid and would I feel like I was doing a disservice if I wasn't acting and I was just teaching so that it's actually the kids that I teach kept me teaching yeah that's so interesting because I, I like um, I went to I know and I know it's different because I know they're, they're kids and like I, you know I, I, correct me if I'm wrong but like 95% of them are you know probably won't go on to be professional actors you know what I mean like they're there to in, enjoy themselves because they love it like develop the skills that you develop and then you know yeah like all the wonderful things that come along with it but like I, I do find that like if you go to drama school for example I went to DIT you went to the Gaiety school yeah. there's the Lear that's one thing that I really resented about DIT and I love I loved my experience in DIT but I found it really frustrating because I was like none of the pretty much none of the none of the, the the lectures like are in the real world and you're so you're kind of like oh, okay. so so like I see what you're saying like yeah. I was, I was kind of like yeah but you haven't done anything in 30 years now that's not to disregard their knowledge because no, like they're fucking brilliant yeah and like you know like we had this amazing um woman who taught us you know shake like how to you know do shakespeare and like work on our voices and um and all that that kind of stuff and like the phonetics and all that and like she was amazing but like i don't think the woman had been to see a play in 30 years now you see that i don't get that i don't get anybody in our industry who doesn't go and see stuff i i don't either I find it hard, actually. Like, and, and I understand when people are like, oh, I don't want it to influence me. But it's like, how can you... It's like... But it should influence you. And then, like... Yeah. And then and if you don't want it to influence you, don't let it. Like, but that's such a shitty attitude. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, in, like what, what don't you want to influence you? Do you, want, you don't want a good performance to influence you? Okay, yeah. don't let it. Or you, don't want, you think that's bad? All right, great. Then you don't, you don't want to do that. It's like saying, I'm an electrician, but don't let me in a room where there's a light. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, yeah. I think it's important to see stuff. I think it's important to go... We do a teacher in, in secondary school who used to bring us to amazing theatre. Yeah. And... um. And I've kind of reconnected with him recently through like we would always kind of kept in touch and when he left um, or when I left school. But he brought us to see Amazing Theatre and he anytime he did a show with us, we always treated it as if it was a professional production. Mm. And like if I had have decided that I'm not going to let anything influence me, like I wouldn't be where I am now if I wasn't inspired by the theatres, that the theatre that I saw or the dance pieces that I saw or the people that I worked with because you're constantly learning and absorbing and even if you see something that you don't like, you know, you've got to form an opinion, opinion as to why it, you don't like it or what you would have done differently. It's, it's so important to be, um, like, immerse yourself, not all of the time, but every so often in these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100% right, we give another spin. Yeah. Let's do it. 
right, sweet. Number 57. No. No, okay. No. Like, I literally have no numbers. <laughs> I know. Look, it, <sighs> it happens. Don't take it personally. <laughs> if you could give your 12-year-old self some advice, what would you say? Um, I was bullied when I was that, like, that mm. age, but I never, like, I don't look back on it as a moment going, oh, you know, I think what I... Honestly, I think I would say to my 12-year-old self is stay fit, keep up sports. Like I did play badminton and camogie until I left, until I was on like leaving school and stuff. But to um, to just stay more active and be fitter and keep going to the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's me from now. But that like, and I think I did when I was 12. I think I, I was kind of good at all that. And then it just... That sounds like such a superficial thing to say, but I, I, no, I there's an element like, be, like maybe value fitness more, but and also, yeah, just don't care what other people think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think anybody going through secondary school needs to kind of know that it's not, don't whatever other people say, it, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It really, obviously, it matters to you at that time, but try not to let it get on top of you. 12 year old me wow god that's really I think be fit and and to and to just not care what people in sixth class or the people who you were leaving behind because I went to a different school for secondary and it was like don't mind them and and don't don't listen to them like I didn't I met a girl at electric picnic oh in about 2006 or 7 and she was in school with me in sixth class and we met each other in the queue for beer. We were going to the Heineken um, stand, mm. and she was like, "Oh, hi, I know." I was like, "I know your face. I'm really good with like names and faces from way back." Mm. And I was like, "Karen," and she was like, "Emma Morris," and I was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh my god, we went to primary school together. How are you?" And we were chatting, and and she would have been in the group that I thought were, oh, I don't know, the ones who had it together, or the ones who were maybe not the. Not the bullies, like she would, yeah. you know what I mean? The ones who were untouched. Yeah. And and she was saying, oh, you know, she said to me, it was such a horrible place. And I was like, what? And she was like, oh, I, I hated primary school and I hated sixth class. And I was like, really? And we had this moment of, oh, you had that? And yet I thought, you know, everybody thought the grass was greener on the other side. So I think maybe 12-year-old me, stay fit, stay healthy physically and in your head try like the, this will pass and when you when you will come into your own in a couple of years time and you will be so proud of yourself as a teenager and as someone in their 20s and you will do amazing things and you will you will have heartache and you will you know there will be some shitty times along the way but ultimately life is not what you think it's going to be mm. but it's still going to be great yeah I think that's probably what I'd say to her that's really good that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's really good. I think we should just spin. <laughs> that was great. Um, 24, do you have it? No. Nope. No worries. Number 24, question mm-hmm. is, what is your definition of success for yourself? Being happy. Well, that was fast. Yeah, no, definitely being happy. There, And I've only kind of come to that in the last while. 
Um, I used to measure success in like when I was 16 I was convinced that by the time I was 25 like I kind of never thought I could be an actor so by the time I was 25 or 26 I was going to have a house a husband and I was going to be like the CEO of a massive corporation didn't know what it was going to be but I was going to have loads of money and I have none of those things and I'm 35 um, but I think yeah I think being happy and loving what you do because like whether it's your job or what you're studying you spend so much time in your job and in your lifetime and you've got to do what makes your heart sing. Mm-hmm. Does that sound really corny? Nope. And I just think, like, the majority of the things that I do, I love and the ones that I, the things that I might do and I'm like, I don't, oh, it's mainly that I'm preempting stuff and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy that, but I do. Mm. So um, I think success has to be, and everybody's version of success is different, but success has to be walking into a job and walking out of a job and going, yes, I am loving what I'm doing and I'm proud of the work that I'm doing, no matter what it is. Yeah. And I think that's that's success. Yeah, amazing. What, like, what, what, when you, you said that, like, that's a recent thing that you've come to. What was the thing, what was your previous definition and what was the thing that was preventing you from getting to this new one? I think I was just judging myself against others or what I thought was success, which was like, you know, a CV with this, this and this. And like you, you're never going to be happy with your loss, mm. you know. And like there are so many times along the way people say, oh, you're like I've had people say to me, oh, God, wow, like you've done so much. And I'm like, no, I haven't. And then they kind of ex- they break down your CV to you. And I'm like, I have. Yeah, I've done this. And I should be more proud of the work that I've achieved instead of just going right it's done now you know what I mean yeah. like you did that to me today oh did I yeah you remember you I was like yeah like it's been like two years since I've been at drama so you're like oh my god you've done so much and I was but like no but, but but I'm just I'm only saying that to like hear and see what you're saying like yes that's what we do yeah we're never it's, yeah. yeah it's always the next thing yeah. and it's, like I know everyone talks about being present and I'm a devil first because my head is always on the next thing mm. but it, it it's that element of kind of just looking around and going yeah I've done all this and and I don't know. I I the, I don't know what the I don't know what the moment was where it lifted. Or I always thought that success in general was like as I said, when I was sixteen. I wanted a house. I wanted to, you know. Um. Obviously, that changed as I got older, and um, and then recently, it's just I think I've just seen so many people be miserable, mm. and either they're miserable at the job that they're doing or things have happened and and life is kind of hard and and you kind of look and you go God, like at least I'm I'm walking into a room full of students every week and I'm creating and they're having breakthroughs and I'm proud of them yeah. um and I'm making work that I enjoy making when I'm acting um like and I just feel so lucky that so many other people can't I can't so many people don't have that yeah so I think that recently that's been my okay I'm lucky I'm happy and I'm healthy and that's that's tough in a in a world at the moment where everything is crazy mm. so I think celebrate the small things although it's no small achievement to be happy you know it's a huge thing yeah so I think and yeah. do you still the things that you thought so like okay like the CEO like anything like one thing but like the the house like the husband like the family that kind of stuff is that still stuff that you think 
fits into where you see your happiness lying in the future or have you completely realigned that um, sort of stuff yeah no I don't like I mean I don't I, I being an actor I'm kind of like I'm never going to have a mortgage you yeah. know I'm a, you almost resign yourself to certain things Um, I won't probably won't I could be the CEO of a company mm-hmm. I, like that's it's still there but it's not something that I'm desperately working towards yeah um, but yeah, I do. I see those things in my future. If I if if I if I want them, yeah. If I want to go for them, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're there. But whether or not they're going to make me happy will de- decide whether or not I'm going to go for them. Yeah, but which is great. That's really nice. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to this on the days where like I'm like pulling my hair out and going, "What am I doing? Why am I not?" I'm like, "Oh, well, do you remember this time you did a podcast with Tom?" Well. Suck it up, Marcy, and take your own advice. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the hardest thing. Isn't it? Yes. Oh, I know. I have the most amazing friends. Like, I couldn't do anything that I'm doing at the moment without them. And I have a brilliant support network. And I know that if they listen to this, they'll remind me of this podcast. So, guys, I'm putting the pressure on you to be like, go listen to yourself spouting off. Because yeah. it's that, that worst moment of, do you remember you told me this? It was like, yeah. And I quote. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Oh, I know. God. Even Marcy, thanks so much for playing. You got no numbers. I know it's so bad. I cannot believe I've been on personality bingo and I talked about religion. Yeah, and um, yeah, it kind of feel like I was. Re- it was real serious. And this is like so not me. I don't think I've had a conversation like this in ages. So thank you, Tom, for making me. Of course, can you talk that way. Well, something a little less serious. Uh, tell us about like the Damon Ivor movie because like that. <gasps> that's very like very good fun. Loads, <laughs> loads of silliness. It's not like this at all, which not is great. Not at all. So no. Tell it, us about um, that. It is in cinemas at the moment nationwide. Uh, hopefully, we're getting a UK release. Um, it is. It was the most fun to film. I mean, we had so much fun on the series, but the film was almost like we were all on holidays together. We were a bunch of pals on holidays together. It is um, in cinemas. I would advise you to go and see it if you want to laugh. And obviously, um, and also like there's there's loads of heart in it as well. Mm. I don't want to ruin it, but uh, I've cried twice. Um, at it and um, it's Damon Ivor if you're a fan of the show then you're going to love the film it's a madcap adventure of these crazy characters in a van travelling around the country trying to find a third brother so uh, check it out it is it's loads of fun and it's Irish and you know support Irish yeah amazing um, and one last thing tell the people where they can find you on social media speaking of oh yeah <laughs> so I am on Twitter and Instagram at Eames underscore M which is E-I-M-S underscore M and I also have a Facebook page which is Emer Morrissey Actor and yeah all the other stuff is up there yeah yeah, yeah. great Emer Morrissey thanks so much for playing Personality Bingo thanks Tom So guys, that was Emer Morrissey playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moore. And Emer, a massive thank you for taking the time to do it. It was such a deadly chat uh, and I'll hopefully see you really soon um, because she's a lovely, lovely person and um, she's so great in the movie. And uh, yeah, it's all it's all just wonderful uh, to see her doing so well in the world because, um, yeah, as I said, she's a lovely person and it's great to see lovely things happening to lovely people. In other news, please do come along and check out Lyrics. Uh, my play, it's with the wonderful Danielle Galligan and myself, uh, directed by the brilliant Ronan Testaseca. Uh, and I think if you like this podcast, I'm really hopeful you'll like this play. We run from March 30th until April 14th at the Theatre Upstairs, bang smack in the middle of the city centre on Eden Quay. Couldn't be any closer if you tried. Um, and yeah, as I said, we would love to see you there. Tickets are cheap as chips. 12 50 is the most expensive seat in the house. 
Um, if you come um, in the previews or for the matinees, it's even cheaper than that, um, as low as you know eight euro, I believe. You also got some really cool two for one things going on. Um, so look, I'd love to see you guys there. If you are free, please do come check out my Twitter at tmr93 for all the details. Uh, also, theaterupstairs.e is where you can book tickets. Um, but book now because it it's coming so fast, which is kind of bonkers. Um, a few thank yous. A massive thank you to Aaron Lindsay, our brand new producer, for doing such a wonderful, wonderful job taking over from the brilliant Taz Kelleher. Uh, Aaron, it's uh, been a pleasure so far, and thank you so much for taking the time to uh, help us out and bringing all your skill and talent to the table. A massive thank you to Connor Nolan for the brilliant artwork, to Leah Moore and Anthony Manley for the deadly theme music, as always, to Paddy and Alan at Headstuff for making the whole thing possible and having us a part of the network. I so appreciate it. Guys, please do tune back in next week for another wonderful episode of Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. Thank you.